0: Glad to be here again this morning. For a message this morning, I want to talk about something we're all familiar with. We all experience success and failure, and uh, I think we all have times when we enjoy success. We all have times when we fail. This morning, before we look at Success and failure maybe we should define what success is or what we want to look at in relation in, in as far as success goes mostly looking at success this morning. We don't um, want to define success as obviously as just being wealthy, being rich it's not what we're looking at this morning. As success, but rather to, to be successful is to be what God requires of us to be. And uh, I think we all recognize that we will never get to a complete place of success in that regard. There's always room for us to grow. We'll be looking at that throughout this message but this morning the title of the message is setting ourselves up for success or set up for success and uh i've been thinking about this for a while weeks how we we can so many times we can set ourselves up either for success or for failure and we have, we have so much in our power that influences where we come out at so many times. And yeah, there are things that, I mean, there always will be trials and tests that come our way. And things that influence us, make circumstances one way or another, but we can do a lot to determine our success and our failures. First of all, can, uh, for just a few verses, turn with me to Genesis chapter 4, <clears throat> one of the first few people, Cain and Abel, here, they, in a sense, are a prime example of how individuals can set themselves up for failure or for success. And we see here, Abel, verse 2, she bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Nothing wrong with these two professions. They were doing something that was worthwhile. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought the fruit of the ground, an offering unto, God, unto the Lord, and Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, thou shalt, shalt thou not be accepted, and if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire or you could say that that sin had a desire to, to, or Satan had a desire to ensnare Cain in sin. And thou shalt rule over him, or say Cain had the ability to be victorious. Anyway, it goes on here then. Cain slew his brother. So these two young men had the opportunity to serve the Lord. I think Cain also knew what the requirement was as far as sacrifice went. It had to be shed blood. But he decided to just take an easy way and just provide a sacrifice of of what was readily available to him. So in that way, he set himself up for failure. We also can take easy, easy way, take shortcuts in our lives and in that way set ourselves up for failure. How do we set ourselves up for success? What are some ways that we can do that? And what are some ways that we, decisions we make to set ourselves up for failure? Are we setting boundaries in our lives? Do we, are we proactive in that, setting boundaries for for our lives? Or do we continually place ourselves in situations that will be a temptation to us? What do we feed on? What do we allow ourselves our to feed on? Where do we go in our free time? As far as our children, we can also set them up for success or set them up for failure as well, for ourselves and for our children. Or for. But primarily for ourselves, who do we hang out with? That will definitely have a bearing on our success and our, our failure. Who do we have as our peers? Also for our children, who, are we encouraging them or who do we allow them bring into their lives for their peers? Do we actively teach them stories of the Bible? Do we provide them with good books to read? Do we teach them discipline? I think that's probably a whole subject in itself, but has a lot of bearing on whether we are setting setting them up for success in their future. For ourselves, especially thinking of young people, we need to, we need to have the discipline to provide boundaries for, for our lives, for yourselves. James has a few verses that speak about, speaks about um, this. James 1 verse 8. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways, and four verse eight, draw nigh unto God and he will dry nigh, draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hearts, ye double-minded. So we need to be consistent, we need to make sure that we aren't unstable in our ways, but that we um, have our minds set. Appreciated the devotions, Joel. Joe didn't know what I was going to be talking about, but the psalm he read there, the devotions was a good introductory to this topic, setting ourselves up for success. One of the ways, practical ways to do that is to actively make goals in our lives. Some of the benefits of setting goals, there are many benefits, but Goals keep you from wasting time and energy. You know, if we'd never set goals, we probably spend a lot of time doing things that aren't really going to get us ahead, aren't going to bring us to a place of success. Goals produce focus and help us to avoid distractions. And... uh, not here to talk about all the goals we need to set in life. Not a motivational topic here. But we need to set goals if we want to be successful people. <clears throat> goals simplify your decision-making process. And goals also deliver you from living in the past. You know, it's a thing that Satan puts in our lives is to continually try to keep us stuck in the past or relive really the past. But we need to set goals ahead of us so that we can move forward. Something that we can strive to. Goals pr- produce pr- persistence and determination. We need to list, make a list of our goals. Rearrange them in order of priority. And uh, one way to do that, we need to make, or our goals must be smart. To be smart, marker here. Specific, yeah, that's more like it. And <laughs> measurable. So if we don't have specific goals, we might have a bunch of goals, but might have so many And we can lose track. They have to be measurable. If our goals, if we can't see from one year to the next if we've made progress, those goals aren't going to be very beneficial. Sorry, my spelling is not good. Have to be achievable. Obviously, if we set such lofty goals that we can't achieve, then we won't be very successful. And very long, very closely related to that is to have to be realistic. <coughs> and uh, the last one. to be time bound you know, we could have goals that are so far out in the future and we have no idea when we'll ever get those are probably okay goals but not very realistic they need to be something that we can aim toward and realistically get done in a certain amount of time So they need to be specific. They need to be measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-bound. We also need to list. I don't know if we do that physically or just mentally, but list the people that will help you achieve your goals and develop a good relationship with them. We all know who the people in our lives are that will help us achieve our goals, help us to be successful. And I think if we're honest, we can also tell the people in our lives that will bring us down, that will set ourselves up for failure. Success is obedience to God's God's laws. And... uh, was referred to in the devotions in those verses. Success also comes when you put God first in your life. And uh, I have a story here. wasn't sure about sharing that because, <clears throat> like I said, they're not promoting the prosperity gospel. And just because we financial gains doesn't mean God is necessarily pleased with us, and in verses also, just because we maybe not be getting rich doesn't mean God is not not happy with our lives. But here's a story that I thought was interesting. In North, or Chicago, in the 18 or early 1900s, there was a man, actually he was born in Stevensville, Ontario. I think he had Mennonite parents. Anyway, his name was James L. Craft. And he was a young man. He became involved in church in Chicago. I think he was actually a Sunday school director and one of the deacons of the church. But as a young man, he was trying to make money there and wasn't very successful. He had a one pony and a cart, and he would make cheese, put it in his buggy, and he would drive up and down the streets of Chicago trying to sell his cheese. And uh, he became involved in a business Bigger business that was selling cheese, but it didn't go very well. Anyway, as he was trying to sell cheese along the street, was almost broke. One day, he was talking to his pony. He said, "Something is wrong here. We need to change our priorities here. Priorities are not what they need to be." He says, "Maybe we should just I should just start." serving God first of all and everything else second. So he went home and he did that. He started serving God first of all, giving God first place in his life. He made that covenant that for the rest of his life he would serve God first. And uh, God then did start opening doors for him. He became quite successful and uh, his cheese company grew, he opened the first cheese processing plant in North America. Some of you might know his company. It's called Kraft. second largest corporation food corporation in America. <clears throat> anyway. But even throughout his life, he said that he would rather be a layman in his church serving the Lord than to be chairman of that, of his big company. Putting God first was an attitude that he said was what helped him to, to move from being almost penniless on the street to being successful. So if we want to be successful in our lives, we also need to put God first in our lives. And like I said, it doesn't mean that we'll become wealthy, but God, God being happy with our lives is what we consider to be successful. When you believe that your first job is serving Jesus, it shapes your actions. You go about your daily routine remembering that God has opportunities for you, and you ask Him to open your eyes so that you will see those opportunities. Putting God first is an attitude and it is an action. And sometimes our attitudes will shape our actions, and other times it will be the reverse. When we start acting in a certain way, our attitudes will conform to those actions. Isaiah 48 verse 18 says, All that thou hadst hearkened to my commandments, then had thy peace been as a river and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. In 1 Chronicles chapter 22, have a story of David speaking to Solomon, this Chronicles chapter 22, David's charge to Solomon. we will read verses 11 through 13. <clears throat> David says to Solomon, Now my son, the Lord be with thee and prosper thou. Sorry, I'll start over again. Now my son, the Lord be with thee. And prosper thou, and build the house of the Lord thy God, as he hath said of thee. Only the Lord give thee wisdom and understanding, and give thee charge concerning Israel, that thou mayest keep the law of the Lord thy God. Then shalt thou prosper, if thou takest heed to fulfill the statutes and judgments which the Lord charged Moses with concerning Israel. Be strong and of good courage, dread not, nor be dismayed. So in his speech here, we see that David understood a little bit of how God sees success. He understood that God is the one that gives success. And he understood that the success that God gives is related to our obedience to His direction. He said to Solomon that he needed to follow God's direction carefully if he was going to be successful. David also understood that wisdom and understanding are necessary to obey the law of God. If we want to be obedient, we will need to use the wisdom and knowledge he gives to us. And David understood that success is obedience to God's laws. motivated people are successful in challenging themselves to new and higher personal goals. We continually need to set goals for ourselves. You know, if we achieve one goal, that doesn't mean we can just consider ourselves successful and and rest, but we need to continually set higher goals. Charles Hughes, was quoted as saying one of the most important lesson lessons in life is that success must continually be won and is never finally achieved we never completely reach success we always find more more and higher goals to attain to all right for the rest of the message you can turn with me to 2nd Chronicles <clears throat> chapter 26. We'll look at a person here that did set himself up to be successful. And then later in his life, he also became a failure. Isaiah is the man here. In uh, Should maybe read the text. Start reading verse 3 or starting verse 3 16 years old was josiah when he began to reign and he reigned fifty and two years in jerusalem his mother's name also was jekaliah of jerusalem and he did that which was right in the sight of the lord according to all that his father Amaziah did and he sought god in the days of zechariah who had understanding in the visions of god and as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And he went forth and warred against the Philistines and broke down the wall of Gath and the wall of jabna and the wall of Ashdod, and built cities about Ashdod and among the Philistines. And God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in Gurbael and Mahun- Mahunums. And the Ammonites gave gifts to Uzziah. And his name spread abroad, even to the entering in of Egypt, for he strengthened himself exceedingly. Moreover, Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gate and at the valley gate, and at the turning of the wall, and fortified them. Also he built towers in the desert, and digged many wells, or cisterns, for he had much cattle, both in the low country and in the plains, husbandmen also, and wine dressers in the mountains, and in Carmel, for he loved husbandry. Moreover, Uzziah had an host of fighting men that went out to war by bands, according to the number of their account, by the hand of Jael the scribe, and Messasiah the ruler, under the hand of Hananiah, one of the king's captains. The whole number of the chief of the fathers of the mighty men of Valor were two hundred or sorry, two thousand and six hundred And under their hand was an army, 300,000 and 7,500, that made war with mighty power to help the king against the enemy. And Uzziah prepared for them throughout all the hosts, shields and spears and helmets and coats of mail and bows and slings to cast stone. And he made in Jerusalem engines invented by cunning men to be on the towers upon the bulwarks to shoot arrows and great stones withal, and his name spread abroad, far abroad, for he was marvels- marvelously helped till he was strong. It's not reading there for the time being. <clears throat> so we see this was a mighty man, a strong man, a giant, we could say, he became exceedingly powerful. And uh, one of the things that helped him become a mighty man was his heritage, his his father had been an example to him to a certain extent, was a good example to him. And uh, this is a blessing for us, also, if we have parents that have taught us right, people that have gone before us, have set, set the way for us, set an example for us to follow. Strong men and women who have exemplified Christ in their lives consistently. You have such men and women who have gone before you and those with whom you are associating, so that you can be successful in leading a full, sincere, and faithful Christian life. So, godly foundation is very important, key to success. Number two, <clears throat> godly mentors. Verse five had Zechariah, prophet Zechariah instructed him. As long as he listened to Zechariah, he was able to be a successful man. It <clears throat> is for us also very important that we have godly mentors. Mentors who teach and admonish us to help us to grow. If we only surround ourselves with people that don't really give us much advice, or just follow our cues, probably won't really help us to achieve our goals, our success. But we need to surround ourselves with mentors that, that push us to, to greater good. If we don't have godly mentors, it is time for us to get some so that we can succeed in the path that God has for us. You know it's easy to get ungodly advice. I think in the last Sunday's Sunday school lesson you were discussing that when uh, Rigobon chose the counsel that was not beneficial for him instead of the advice that he got from the elders. If he would have followed that advice, he could have been successful, but he chose to follow the wrong counsel. We also need to make sure that we follow right counselors. Proverbs 11 verse 14 says, where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Obviously, the multitude of good counsellors. Also, Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Delight in the law of the Lord, following God's commands and surrounding with ourselves with good counsel. Also number three, we need a good support system. Uzziah had a strong army to fight for him, 307,500 soldiers. He surrounded himself with people that would fight for him and with him. Do we have people around ourselves that fight spiritual battles with us, for us? If we want to be successful, we need to be proactive in Surrounding ourselves with an army that will help us. Psalm ninety, verse seventeen says, "And let the beauty of the Lord, our God, be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it." <clears throat> Verses five and six, five and seven, oh. here he sought the Lord in the days of Zechariah. He had an understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. And verse 7, and God helped him against the Philistines and against the Arabians that dwelt in Ger, Baal and the Unams. So as long as he served the Lord and as long as he sought right counsel, he prospered. <clears throat> and the last Part of this chapter, verse 16, says, But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God and went into the temple of the Lord to burn incense upon the altar of incense. Nazariah the priest went in after him, and with him fourscore priests of the Lord that were valiant men. And they withstood Uzziah the king and said unto him, It appertaineth not unto thee, Uzziah, to burn incense unto the Lord, but to the priests, the sons of Aaron, that were consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for thou hast trespassed, neither shall it be for thine honour from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was wroth, and had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was wroth with the priests, the leprosy even rose up, in his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord from beside the incense altar. And Zariah the chief priest and all the priests looked upon him and behold he was leprous in his forehead, and they thrust him out from thence. Yea himself hasted also to go out, because the Lord had smitten him. And uh, I won't read the last few verses, but he was a leper and he died a leper. So, keys to failure. Number one, pride due to his great success in verses 15 and 16. His name spread far abroad, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. And then verse 16, and when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Uzziah became great through God's blessing, but after attaining success, he got careless and fell away. It says he was marvelously helped till he was strong. If he would have kept that right attitude he had at first, he could have died a strong man, a successful man. His last four words serve as a dire warning for all of us. His heart was lifted up to his destruction. He usurped the priestly duty and became a leprous. Uzziah overestimated his own importance in bringing about the great achievements he experienced. He did so many things well. And uh, I think he became used to being successful. He was consumed with pride, and this pride gradually invaded his life, kind of like the leprous, leprous disease that finally destroyed his body. Trying to act like a priest, he took on a role that God did not mean for him to have. I think he had forgotten not only how much God had given him, but also that God had certain roles for others that he needed to respect. He was not all-powerful in himself. He was not, not able to take on the roles that God had for others to take. Isaiah's pride was a root that ultimately brought him to his downfall. We have no account of him showing appreciation to God for his marvelous gifts that he received. You know, maybe he was thankful earlier in his life when he was successful, but we don't have a record of that. But I think if if he would have truly been thankful and uh, given credit to God, he needed, he could have remained a positive um, power in the life of Israel here. <clears throat> God must get the credit for our successes. 1 Peter 5, last half of verse 5 says, For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. All right, number two in Keys to Failure is stepping into what is not your calling. When we try to play a role for which God has not called us to fail, we will not be blessed. And uh, that requires wisdom, maturity. But God has so many um, jobs for us to do, so many goals for us to, to achieve, so many Battles for us to win, but then he also has things, roles for others to, to take up. And we must not try to to undertake something that God obviously is not calling us to do. So in closing, are you setting yourself up for success? Or are you setting yourself up for failure? Each one of us has opportunities in our lives. Decisions that we make every day, whether it's what we choose to look at on our phones, whether it's what we are listening to, whether it's friends that we are hanging out with, people surrounding ourselves with, many active things that we do every day, consciously, unconsciously, that will influence our level of success or our level of failure. Let's make sure that we do whatever we can to set ourselves up for success. Let's kneel for prayer. Our Father in heaven, we pause before you close of the service. We're so thankful that you have examples for us to look at in the Bible. People that became strong because of their obedience to you because of them putting you first in their lives. I just be that you would help us to do that, to ever keep you first in our lives. Help us to be what you want us to be. You can be pleased with our lives. And we realize that there's always a tendency for us to allow things into our lives that will ultimately lead us to failure. And if we see those things that we can still turn around. You have given us freedom of choice. We can surround ourselves with people that will help us to actively achieve goals that will bring us toward you and just help us to do that, Lord. Thank you so much for our brothers and sisters that help us and that are concerned about our lives as well. Just pray that you would help us as we go forward, that whether we are young people, older people, we all have room to grow, we all have goals that we can set for ourselves continually to become more like you and become more like example that Christ gave us. We pray that you'll be with each one of us as we go from here that you help us to walk carefully and just continue to bless us. We pray in Jesus' name, Amen.